You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and today I have a very special guest with us. I have Pastor Lon Owl with us today. He's the pastor of Flat Creek Free Will Baptist Church. He's also the host of the Homesteading Pastor channel on YouTube. And we have some common friends in the Presley family. And Pastor Lon, I am so excited to have you here on Dwell on These Things. Welcome. Thank you, brother. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. Well, we're honored to have you on as well, and you have a very interesting story and just a very interesting ministry that the Lord's entrusted to you, and I I wonder if you could maybe just start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your current ministry. What does it look like? Well, as far as myself, um, I'm just an ordinary man that serves an extraordinary God, and um, I'm a country boy, a country country man, if you would call it, and I'm married to my wife, Robert Lynn. We have four kids. Uh, two of them are special needs kids. That's Bradley and Corey and Michaela and Gavin. And um, and we've started the ministry at Flat Creek back in 2006, uh, July of 2006. And it's grown to what it is today. It's not a, we don't have a big church. We average about, you know, right around 90 or 100 on Sunday mornings. Got about 120, I think, members, roughly. Um, but it's a small country church. And um, I don't know if you want me to share with how it got started or we'll come up with another, you know, talk about that a little later, but God was definitely in the midst of it. And I had never dreamed about becoming a pastor, but God had other plans. And well, that, that's why. Yeah. That, that leads me in, into the, the next question I was going to ask you. How did you know that God was calling you into pastoral ministry? Well, um, we were in a church that I pretty much grew up in, um, my wife both and I grew up in the church and anyway um just different things went on and we just felt like the Lord was pulling us away from there and he actually I had two different dreams um back in 2006 one on a Tuesday night and one on a Thursday night at 2 a.m in the morning um and opened up my Bible to Timothy's uh, writing where he talked about you know um preaching the gospel and only let anyone despise thy youth and by preaching the gospel, I'm just paraphrasing because I don't have the scripture sure. in front of me. But um, by doing so, you save yourself as well as others was the last part of that those verses. And I, I done that Tuesday night and a Thursday night. And we had the ball started rolling from that point on. And, you know, I just felt the calling on my life. And had other people I shared that dream with, and they said they encouraged me and prayed for me and said, hey, if this is what the Lord wants, then you need to pursue that. And um, the rest is history. That's wonderful. And in addition to the work that you're doing with your local church and your ministry with your family as well, you also have a YouTube channel that I think has become a pretty significant part of your ministry as well. Why don't you tell us about that as well? Yes, sir. Um, YouTube actually started out, I think it was back in 2020, um, the latter part of 20, uh, 2019, early part of 2020. And I just started it out just to share devotions um my my two boys here picked at me a lot said you would never make it to 50 subscribers and not that they doubted me they just figured you know would it be in a social media because i was always against social media mm-hmm. because there's so much because there's so much negativity on there and it you could you got to pick and choose you got to eat the eat the meat and spit out the bones so to speak <laughs> but nevertheless uh we've used that 
um, devote the uh, YouTube channel for devotion mainly. That's what our channel is based upon, homesteading pastor. My main focus is devotion to try to reach the lost and encourage those that are serving the Lord. And I try to feature my son, Farmer Bradley, who's deaf and blind, and my daughter, Michaela, is deaf and blind. I don't put them on there as much as I want to because of different reasons, sure, timing, sure. timing issues, you know. But um, my wife does a lot of cooking in the kitchen and baking, and I, we have our animals here on the homestead from uh, chickens and turkeys and cows and goats, and, uh, you know, it goes right on and on. So we just try to share all that, incorporate that into the ministry. That's how I came up with it homesteading pastor. Mm-hmm. I kind of combined the two together. But you said earlier about myself, I forgot to mention, I work a full-time job for a utility company in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I'm a full-time husband. I'm a full-time dad with two special needs kids. I have a YouTube channel that we're trying to do the best we can to get um, good content out. I pastor the church and whatever else you know that n- needs to be done. And I don't want any sympathy for that i'm just saying that's where god's got me at in this season of my life mm-hmm. and i'm having a ball having it's a wonderful life. yeah i i think so um one of the things that i've been convinced of is that there are a lot of opportunities around us for ministry and for uh just just opportunities the lord's given us to be able to proclaim the message of the gospel and i'm always pleased with and really impressed with those who look at those opportunities and, and just realize you don't have to be uh, some sort of celebrity. You don't have to be somebody that that has some sort of major following or anything like that. It's just a matter of being faithful with the tools that the Lord puts right in your hand. And so somewhere along the, the line here, it sounds like you became convinced that YouTube would be a great avenue for you to be able to represent Christ, to be his ambassador, to, to share the gospel, to share devotional content. And, uh, and I, I wonder, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about how you record and, and even what keeps you motivated to record some of that content? Well, it's funny you asked that about how I record. Sometimes I do it on the computer, but most of the time I just use my cell phone to record. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, where we live out we out in the country, we don't have good internet service here. So it's kind of tough for me to get um, a, a good number of, of uh, videos uploaded. Right. Just like tonight, long, you know, logging on here, it took me a little time <laughs> because of the internet. But nevertheless, um, what motivates me, though, the reason I try so hard, because I believe um, that in that dream that I had back in 2006, both times, I remember I shared with you earlier that it was like a, Billy Graham crusade under a tent. And there were thousands of people. And I've often wondered our little church, you know, it's right around 90 to hundred people. And I asked my wife several times, Robin, I'm not, you know, where are those, all those people at that, you know, I felt like God wanted me to try to reach through his world. He wanted to reach through me preaching and teaching his word. And I think YouTube has opened that door. Um, and what motivates me to continue to do it is when I post a video, and then I read every comment that comes across my channel, and I answer every one of them. If I miss your comment, it's because I didn't see it. But what motivates me, Brother John, is when I get the, the comments back that say, I needed to hear this today. How did you know what I was going through? I mean, this is people either in another state or another country. I mean, we got followers from Australia and Ireland and um, uh, England and all over and all over America. And I never dreamed we'd be able to reach that many people. So technically, the YouTube channel is reaching more folks than our actual ministry here in my community. 
But when I get those great comments that encourage, that encourages me to try to encourage more people because I love people and I love to talk. Yeah. I, well, I, th- I think, I think both your love for people and your love to just be faithful with the word of God comes out in the content that you're producing. And I've noticed that I've, I've noticed you get really good interaction too. When you, when you post a video, it seems like those that are watching it really interact and give some thoughtful con- comments and thoughtful dialogue related to it. So you can tell people are, are listening and uh, and again, you know, this is something that I've become, a, I guess, a little bit fascinated with in recent days, because I think right in front of us is a great opportunity if we're willing to seize it. I think a lot of people talk themselves out of doing the things that God has equipped them to do because they they have made almost like a worldly standard for what they think they need to measure up to to be able to do it. And yet one of the things I appreciate about the way you're producing your content is you're just being yourself. You're giving people a glimpse into your life. You're giving people a glimpse into your faith. You, you're not uh, trying to overproduce this or trying to portray yourself in, in some way that's not authentic. And I think people pick up on that, and I think that that's why it's connecting with as many people as it's connecting with. W- would you agree, or would you add anything to that? I would totally agree, and that's pretty much the way I look at it, too, is most of the comments that I get back, most of them on only the videos are more than just one or two words or sentences. They go into praying for their family and giving me praise reports. And I think the reason they give back so much is because they feel like, and I only like talking about myself like this, but they feel like I'm giving all of myself. Cause I'm going to tell you what you see with me is what you get. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not ashamed of my faith. I'm not ashamed of my family. I'm not ashamed to speak about Jesus Christ. I love people. I love interaction. Matter of fact, the Skipper President told me one time in a comment, I think it was that, um, or maybe in person, I can't remember how she could tell how the people connected with Robin Lynn and myself because of the interaction that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. that it would get back into us. And it means a lot to see it on the comments, but it means a lot coming from a woman like Tipper President celebrating Appalachia too. That just, just takes you to another level. In my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and I've mentioned to her just how much I appreciate the way that she uh, handles that channel as well and the way she's modeled that for her daughters, uh, Corey and Katie, uh, yep. the Presley girls, as they're, as they're doing that. And one of the things that that so. All right. Well, let, let me say it this. So I'm I'm also the father of four. My wife and I, we have four kids. And uh, our children are pretty similar in age to your children, you know, right around in that in that range, uh, give or take. And one of the things that's always concerned me is the fact that we live in this day and age, they call it the information age. And there's so much content. It's so easy to put content out. And I look and I see so much content that's out that is not edifying. It's, it doesn't build people up. It doesn't encourage people in their faith. And it seems like there's a small sliver of people that are willing to kind of stick their neck out there and actually put something of value that glorifies God and gives people a, a glimpse into their life. And I, I find that in this day and age, an important ministry. I think it's an important thing to do. I even used to think with, with some of the, the online content that I create or the online platform that I have, I used to treat it like a hobby. I used to think of it as a hobby. And then I started to realize that during this day and age, this isn't a hobby. This is something that this this actually has a tie-in to the calling that God has on my life. And is that your perspective as well? Do you see this as very much part of your calling? 
Absolutely. I didn't in the beginning. I'll be honest with you. I didn't in the beginning. Same as you. I just wanted to get on there and just kind of, I wanted to share the gospel, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, fill it out because I've never had much dealing with uh, social media. Um, I only have a 12th grade education. I came along in a time when you didn't have all the computers like they have now. So I'm kind of up against, uh, I'm kind of uphill climb. But at the same time, I got people around me and some of my friends on YouTube that's helped encourage me along the way. But definitely it started out not maybe kind of semi as a hobby, but now I look at it as full-fledged ministry with what I do on YouTube. Oh, yeah. In other words, in other words, it's a devotional channel with all the other stuff the, that's just a, a add-on or whatever. You know, we I mean people like to see my family, they love to see Robin and cooking in the kitchen, they love watching our animals, but the main the biggest um, hits I get on the videos are the devotional videos. Mm-hmm. And I think because, you know, in the mindset today, people thinking that nobody wants to hear the gospel. We live in such a dark, uh, evil world. But there's more people I found out through YouTube that want to hear the gospel than you realize or than most people realize. There oh, yeah. are a lot of people that are hungry for the word of God. Yeah. And and I, I like the variety that you're sharing because you're sharing certain things about your family, certain things about your faith, and then certain things even just about homesteading. I saw one of your videos recently where uh, you just showed uh, um, uh, some of the bees that you had brought in. And I watched you get those set up. and That, that looked like quite the experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was an experience. We're not. We don't claim to be beekeepers, but we we're trying. We're trying to get to that level. We had bees before, and had a couple of people trying to coach us along, but didn't really learn anything from them. And um, anyway, uh, we lost our bees. Well, had another guy, brother Larry, down in Mississippi. He, he, I got some more from him recently. The ones you saw in the video, and he's coaching us along. And I just think that when people see that a pastor is more than just a man that stands behind a pulpit. A pastor's a father too. He's 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 a dad. You know, he's a husband. Um he's he can be a beekeeper if he mm-hmm. so desires. And I, we plant a garden. We raise our own animals. We have eggs. We have um um milk goats. We have our the milk that we drink here. I mean we make my wife make soap and elderberry juice and kombucha. I mean it's all incorporated together. So adding the bees and adding the garden and adding everything else. I think that kind of breaks down a barrier mm-hmm. and lets everybody know that I'm just like they are. You know, if you're not, if you say we're all on the same path, the only difference in myself and a lost person is the, is the God that we're following. But I'm just saying it, it goes back. I shared with you one time before, and I'm, this might be getting ahead of the question. Another question you may have, but I don't preach behind the pulpit with a full fledged suit on every mm-hmm. Sunday. I tell them at Flag Creek, if you see me wearing a suit, there's three things, one of three things have happened. Either somebody's died and I'm preaching a funeral. Number two is uh, a baby dedication, and I wear a suit for that, or either somebody's getting married. That's the only three times I normally wear a suit. I mean, I wear dress pants and a dress shirt, but what I'm getting at is I think I've had people come to me and say they felt welcome at our church because they don't have a suit to wear. They don't have the best clothes to wear. And when I'm not lowering the standard, but I'm letting them know you don't have to wear, wear that kind of attire to come to the house of God. Because he said, come as you are. Mm-hmm. So that's spiritually speaking and physical, I think. 
You'll get a kick out of this. So when I, I, I've been pastoring for a little over 25 years, and I remember when I was pretty early into pastoral ministry, I was mowing my lawn, and uh, someone in the community uh, made a comment to me a few days later, and she said, I saw you mowing your lawn the other day. And I said, okay. <laughs> and uh, she said, I, I, I saw you wearing, you know, you're just wearing a t-shirt and shorts out there. And I said, yeah. I, I said, do, do you expect me to wear a, a, a suit while I'm yeah. mowing my lawn? <laughs> I don't know if she, I don't, I don't know what she was getting at. I, I thought, well, it was in the middle of the summer and I was mowing my lawn. I don't know how dressed up I was supposed to be, but I guess some people have that impression that uh, maybe if you serve in ministry, that you're always uh, in a three-piece suit or something. Yeah, three-piece suit. And we're always, uh, you know, godly or heavenly minded because of Christ living in us. Mm-hmm. But people need to realize that you know, pastors have um, other parts of their lives that we have to take care of as well, from raising children and being a husband and taking care of the garden and animals and the honeybees or whatever, whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and I think I think part of the reason you and I get along so well is one of the things that I often say, uh, even when I'm, I'm preaching in my context, I'll, I'll often say I, I want to be the same person in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. I don't yes, want sir. you to think that there's some different person up there or that, that I can't, I can't be transparent about my day-to-day life. I, I think that's, that seems to be your philosophy as well. Is it? Absolutely. I, I'm kind of like that phrase, that scripture that says, Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I change not. I'm the same in the morning, in the midday, and at night. I change not. Whether I'm preaching, whether I'm working, or whether I'm on vacation, what you see is what you get. I change for nobody. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I try to be the same everywhere I go. Yeah, I, I I sense that about you, and I I certainly appreciate that. Um, if somebody asked you to describe what you thought your mission in life happened to be, what would you? How would you answer that? If they said, "All right, Pastor Lon, what is your mission in life?" What what answer would you give them? Well, first of all, you know, you asked me that question now, but I believe that a human being, their mission in life depends on the season of life that they're in at the time. It, I, let me back that up. That's the answer they would give you according to what season they're in, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're in the spring or the summer or the fall or the winter of your life. But I think my mission in life ultimately is to make heaven my home. That's my number one goal. But I believe my mission in life, I've had a cousin tell me this, and my wife's even made mention of it. My mission in life, is to try to win as many people as I can. Because you're looking at a man that when I was a teenager in school and young, even in kindergarten, actually, my mama used to drop me off at school and I'd be crying, uh, didn't want her to leave me. And one day my daddy picks at me today. She would, uh, she, I was doing pretty good, so she left. But she went, had to go back and see if her son was okay. And I seen her, she looked around the corner and I started crying again. And when he looked, my mama was coming out of the kindergarten room and bagging me on her leg. So I went from that guy that couldn't speak to anybody. Even when I got older, all through school, I'd get real nervous. Just kind of isolated myself until now I can't, I can't really go without being around people and out because it's the difference when you're talking about Jesus versus when you're talking about yourself. So my cousin told me that I had a gift to be able to reach people that he had never seen another another person before. Mm-hmm. My wife tells me that I got, I got a gift from God or the ability to reach this young crowd, 
the middle-aged crowd and the seniors of the older. I, in other words, I can relate to any of them for whatever reason. I've never thought about it that way. But my mission in life, in life is one, make heaven my home. Two, is try to encourage people. And I thank God that he's given me a platform, whether it's on YouTube or in person, where I can reach the small kids, the young adults, as well as the elders. My goal and my mission in life is to share the gospel, uplift people, and if I can't help you, I'm never going to hurt you. Right. That's my philosophy in life. I, if I can't do you any, any, any good, I'm definitely not going to try to do you any harm. Mm -hmm. But my mission is to make heaven my home, and my mission is to be a John the Baptist or a Paul or somebody in God's word, uh, be an example of somebody to be a, you know, our, our young people have so many um, heroes or whatever they look up to. I want, I want not to be a hero, but I want to be somebody they'll look up to that, that not because of me, because who I follow and I'm not going to get them encouraged to follow the same master I'm following. Mm -hmm. But my mission in life is to make people's lives better, help them make heaven their home and make heaven my home as well. So you're making heaven your home and you're trying to bring as many people with you as possible. Absolutely. I want a crowd. <laughs> you want a crowd. That's crowd. right. Yeah. I like that. So one of the things, you, you've been serving in ministry for a while, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is just longevity in ministry. So I, I've been serving in ministry for a season as well, and one of the things that I've noticed, well, I'll even just tell you this, last week I had the opportunity to get together with a group of pastors who serve right here in, in this part of Pennsylvania where I live, and I noticed something. Uh, this this pastor's group hadn't met in a while, uh, just because of cultural conditions and things like that that have been taking place. And I, I noticed that a lot of the guys seem pretty tired, and a lot of the guys seem pretty, uh, you know, just worn out with just the nature of what ministry has looked like for some of them lately. And so, you know, in my, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if there's someone who's serving in ministry who's listening to our conversation right now, and maybe they're struggling to endure, they're thinking of giving up. What advice would you give to that person? Well, first of all, I would let them know they're not the first one that's thought about giving up, number one. Number two, I would encourage them to take more time for themselves because we're always giving as a pastor. We always take care of everybody else's needs, trying to. But another thing that helped me, and an elder pastor shared this with me when I was going through a tough time, he said, sometimes your greatest tool is to be able to say no hmm. to some things. Because we, we don't want to say no because we feel like we're letting God down. Mm -hmm. But you'll get burnt out if you're not careful. And I'm not talking about burnout on Christ. I'm talking about burnout on the ministry of the everyday grind, of the everyday visitation, of everyday, you know, being there for people. Because the pastor knows everybody's issues and problems that's going on. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm thankful for that. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, if you don't take time for yourself, if you don't back away sometime and learn to say no, you will burn yourself out. You'll burn your candle at both ends, so to speak. But that's what I had to do. I had to get to the point where anybody asked, I was always ready to go. And another thing I was guilty of doing was, and the Bible speaks against this, and I was ashamed of what I was doing, but God dealt with me on that. I was taking care of everybody else's needs in the church, but in a, some sense or form, I was neglecting my own family. Mm. Not, 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 taking, not, not taking care of them. When I mean neglecting them, I would spend more time with church folk and hospital visits and wherever I needed to go when 
I needed to be home too. So mm -hmm. I think just getting away, taking care of yourself, learning to say no, of course, stay in the word of God, stay on your knees in prayer. That's, that's, you know, that's a given, but I think the ability to say no sometimes will help you and also realize that the reward of continuing on in the ministry is going to be worth every ounce of effort we ever put into it. I've, I've quit a thousand times in my mind because mm -hmm. of my wife, Robin. And by, by the way, I meant to mention that early on. It's coming June next month, be 35 years of marriage. Congratulations. That's, that's something I'm proud of. June the 12th, be 35 years. And that's kind of unheard of in this day and time. It seems that way. Yeah. But the helpmate that God gave us is a big part of our ministry. You know, I always heard the saying, behind every man is a good woman, but it's beside every man is a good woman. I agree. I like yeah. the way you said that. Yeah, beside every man. Oh, yeah. He took the rib, he took the, the, the rib out of his, you know, his side, not out of his head or his toe or his backbone, but out of his side. Right. I think that's, I think that's symbolic as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, as you're mentioning some of these things here, too, you, you, you brought up the subject of family. And I think our first ministry, obviously, is in our household. And so I'm, I, I'm certain that, that you have a philosophy of, of ministry related to your home that, that would be a blessing to, to others to, to hear, because you've been, you and your wife together have been uh, providing guidance and counsel and help and assistance for four children that, that you've raised up. And at the same time, you're, you're seeking to do all the other things that you're doing. And, and what does that look like for you and for your wife as far as parenting, as far as the culture in your household and how you guys are doing that? What counsel could you give to others or maybe what picture could you give to us of what it's looked like for you? Well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is you need to practice what you preach in your own home. It's, it's easy to preach it in the church building. It's easy to live like that around everybody else. But your family is the hardest people to win sometimes. Mm -hmm. Remember, Jesus said they were his own family when he received him in his own country. Not that he was a bad person, but I'm saying it starts at home. And these boys and my daughter, they see how I treat my wife, how she treats me. We set a godly example. They've never heard us argue. That. I mean, we have difference of opinion. We married, you know what I'm saying? But they've right. never seen me mistreat her and never seen her mistreat me. And we have uh gospel music playing like in the morning before we go to church we have gospel music pl praying and i mean playing and uh we just got a it, it's just uh on how you would word i'm looking for but it's a i wouldn't say a holy uh presence in our home but a peaceful presence in our home that they they you know you gotta I, it goes back you just gotta set the example you gotta live in your home what you live in outside the home let your children know you love them let them see mom and daddy praying beside the bed, not that you're doing it for show, but they need to be able to walk in there sometime and have to walk back out if they want to speak to us because they see us praying beside the bed together. Mm -hmm. I think the how I think your home needs an altar. You need to go back to the altar in your home. You need to go back to, you know, setting that good golly example. I mean, I'd rather for my boys to know how to serve the Lord. Like Corey, he plays the piano and sings in church. I shared that with you. Mm -hmm. Gavin started singing a little bit with him at church. They harmonized good together. And then Brad and Michaela, they got their own thing that they do, even though they're to a disadvantage. But, you know, it goes back to when they, when they see us serving the Lord in the home, that lets them know that what we're doing is real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what kind of hypocrite would I be? I'm still behind the pulpit every Sunday and preach the gospel. 
I got on YouTube and done a devotion, but in my household, I live something totally different than mm-hmm. when I'm on, when I'm on the platform at church or when I'm on the platform at YouTube. So right. I think, I think living in your home, the way you live outside your home, as far as Christianity is concerned, let them see Jesus in you, um, encourage them to, you know, you, I want my boys to be in ministry as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But I think the more they see mom and dad loving one another and lifting up Christ and praying together, having that peacefulness in the home and the gospel music playing in here instead of some honky tonk music, I think that sets a good, um, that sets a good stage for our kids. That's what, that's what we've done and knock on wood. And our boys that don't have any health issues, they're not, they, they sound, they sound boys. They don't, they're not saints, but nobody is. Right. I mean, compared to a lot of teenagers, Gavin's 18, Corey's uh, 20, 23, 24. He's, he's, uh, they do really good for their age with the, with the culture we're living in today. I love it. And that's a challenge. That's a big challenge living in the midst of this and, culture. And one more thing, brother John, about that is the challenge too. It's always been a challenge because we got two special needs kids. Mm-hmm. We got two that don't have any health issues. That's a fine balance right there. I had a boss man at work one time ask me this question. He said, what I want to know about you and your wife, how do you get on the level with the special needs kids and then have to get on the level with your other kids all at the same time? Because you're not careful the one that needs the most attention with the special needs to take away from the ones that don't have special needs, if that True. makes any sense. Yeah, sure it's does. It's a fine balance, but you know what? God's helped us deal with that. And our two boys that don't have any health issues, they both – know that the other two need assistance more than they do, but we don't neglect them because their issues or their their needs are different, but they're still needs just the same. Right. And we try to balance that, but the only way we do it is because of the merch and the grace of God. It's the only mm-hmm. way we do it. Wonderful. I love that answer. So what are your, so, all right, your, your sons were joking with you when you started up your YouTube channel and they said, I, we don't know, dad, we don't think you're going to get 50 subscribers. What do they think now? Um, <laughs> I don't talk to them a whole lot about it now. I don't want to rub it in their face because they know I'd never do that. But they <laughs> they 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 kind of on board. They're like, you know, I got some stickers now, and I'm gonna encourage them to put them on the vehicles. But they kind of they're in there now. They like, you know, there is a little something to this, and it's not because I'm anything special. I think because now they see that what they see in the home is the same thing I'm portraying on YouTube. Absolutely, and evidently the people on YouTube are feeling that and receiving that. Because I promise you, I am too uh, afraid of God in a spiritual sense to do anything other than what you see is what mm-hmm. you get mentality with me. But, yeah, they're on board now. They, I mean, I actually had um, both of them at one time or another. I know one of them did. Um, I hit a 1,000 subscribers. And you know, a lot of big channels, that's nothing. But to me, that was a lot. Still a lot. Mm-hmm. But I went 2,600 now. But then uh, Cora Gavin one told me, said, that's a lot of subscribers. And I said, there's a lot of people that's on YouTube that the gamers or whatever they call them that play games all the time that don't have yeah. that many subscribers. So, and again, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of let them know that even though they knew their dad and their mom were legit because they lived with us, they kind of see now that we're all because other people are jumping on board. And we close, we headed to 3,000 subscribers. And I never dreamed that. And they didn't either. But I think they kind of, you know what, dad, I believe there's something up to this. I believe there's something, mm-hmm. something to do this. I, li- I like the thought of them watching you succeed. I think that's I think probably inspiring. I think the main thing they know is God's in the center of it now. They, oh, yeah. that's, why it's, that's why it's going like it's going, because we put God first. In our home, in our church, on my job, 
and on YouTube. East Any Ferg. future plans for the channel? Not really. We're just going to continue to plug along like we're going right now. I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of limited with my with my technical mind. <laughs> but Corey helped me get on here tonight. Robin Lynn usually does that when we do a live stream. But I am pretty pretty strapped when it comes to uh, technology. But right now, we just continue to do what we do, share the um, content that we share, ministry devotion first, mm-hmm. and then anything else that we feel like would be good content um, with the homestead from the animals and the gardens and our kids and whatever else that God lead, lays on my heart. Wonderful. We'll keep it, we'll keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's what that's what makes it so good, though. Uh, that's that's why everybody likes it. <laughs> I think another thing about that too, um, people want you to be genuine with them. In other oh, yeah. words, they want you to be yourself. I've seen that on YouTube. I've been to. I've known some guys that were as country as I am, and they would go to another church and try to speak or preach and try to use words that they didn't even know what they meant <laughs> and try to talk real proper, but. One of the biggest things I get back, Brother John, on the channel from people in Australia and Ireland and England is my accent. I mean, I don't think I got an accent, but according to, you know, according to other people that don't live around here, they love my accent. Well, that wouldn't reach them if I tried to be somebody I'm not. Right. With my accent, with my faith, with my character, you know, your character's what you are when nobody's looking. Right. That's what your character really is all about. Oh, yeah. Who you are when nobody's looking. Yeah, that's well, Pastor Lon. I, I've appreciated the opportunity to get to know you over the past couple of weeks, and uh, and just to hear your heart and some of the things that the Lord's been doing in your life over the course of the years, and that you've been serving Him, and and um, just it, it's inspiring, it's encouraging. I love the content that you're producing and the way that you're doing it. And if if others want to follow up, so if they're listening to us right now on the podcast and they want to follow up with some of the things that you're doing, where can they find everything that you're producing? Okay, the, the main thing is a YouTube channel. Of course, that's um, homesteading pastor. We used to have the homesteading pastor, but it didn't fit in the algorithm very well. So just homesteading pastor on YouTube, or you can go find us on, find me on Instagram at the homesteading pastor on Instagram. I share a lot of stuff on there. And then my wife and I have, uh, Facebook page, um, Harmony Acres Homestead. Harmony Acres Homestead on Facebook, as well as Harmony Acres Homestead. It's on Instagram as well. So there's four places there you can go um, to find us um, on social media right now. Excellent. Well, Pastor Lon, it was a pleasure to have you a guest here on Dwell on These Things. I'm so grateful that you're willing to carve out time for us. And uh, we wish you and your family all the best as you serve the Lord in the field that he's given to you. Well, I certainly do appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to meet you. I like I said, I met you through the, um, when you interviewed the Presley girls. And then when you had Miss Tipper on here a couple of weeks ago, I watched both of those. And then commenting on the blind pig and acorn, I think that's where we, you and I made the connection. And um, I'm grateful for that. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity you even even look my way to want to interview a country boy like myself. That, like I said, I'm just an ordinary man and serving an extraordinary God. And um, one thing that keeps me motivated, Brother John, I mean, I loved all my grandparents, but my mama's mama, Holly Mae Ganey, I called her Granny. She was the one that really kept me rooted and grounded as a child. I should have shared this at the beginning. I'm going to leave you with this thought. She told me, she said, Lon, there's too many things. This was in a teenage years. Lon, there's too many things in this world to take you out of this world. 
You never, you don't ever need to do anything to enhance that. You don't, in other words, that's why I never drank. That's why I never smoked. That's why I never done drugs. I'm no better than anybody because I didn't. But she put a fear in me that was a good fear, and I respect it. And that's what's missing in this culture today. They don't have enough grannies and grandpas like we used to have. And I don't want to be those people. But she told me early on that you've got something special in you. I don't know what it is, but God's going to use you. That was back in my teenage years before I ever graduated high school. So my grandma was a God-fearing woman, and she knew something that I didn't know. And I, I really wish she could see me today. But hopefully I'll be reunited with her one day. I love it. Yeah, that's a that's a great parting word. Again, if you haven't had the chance to check out Homesteading Pastor on YouTube, be sure to check that out, and you'll find Pastor Lon Owl and his wife, Robbie Lynn, and their family on there, and they invite you to check that out and uh, leave them some comments after you have a, the opportunity to listen to some of the devotional content that he shares. And, and again, Pastor Lon, thanks so much for being with us today. You're very welcome. And could I do one last thing? Could I take us out of here with a word of prayer? Let's do it. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I come before you again today. I thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, most of all. Thank you for him dying on the cross for all of our sins, that we can be made free from the bondage of sin, and that we can spend eternity with you one day. And for all mankind, you sent Jesus. And for all mankind, he came and died. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak to Brother John. I pray for him and his family. You continue to multiply their ministry, give them souls for their hire. I pray, God, you do our family and our ministry the same way. I'm so glad to know that i got a like-minded brother out there that, that believes in the same God that I believe and sharing the same word that I share, even though we're many, many miles apart. I pray you bless him as well as my family and any others that may watch this or listen to this later. I pray that it's been an inspiration to them. For those that may not be saved, I pray that you would draw them by your spirit that they would be saved. And for those that may watch or hear this later that are serving you, I pray, God, you would encourage them, especially the pastors as well and the pastors' wives. Help them to realize this, the best thing sometimes is to say no to certain tasks around the church and in the community so we can spend time alone with you more and alone with our family. According to what the Word says, that's what we need to be doing so we can minister to others. Father, we just ask all these blessings tonight in Jesus' name. And amen and amen. 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 Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.